It is another episode of What Do I Do Now? Season 3. Man, it's crazy. I'm looking at the receipts already in the books, but the show must go on. I've got an incredible guest this episode, and his credits are as long as Peachtree. If you don't know how long Peachtree is, go to your nearest CVS, get a pack of gum, and how long that receipt is, is about as long as this man's credits, because he's been everywhere, placements all over the place. And this episode is really unique because it was another Twitter connection, found my information, reached out, and we're making it happen. And the interview will be featured on magicatl.com. It's really one that I'm really proud of, and I'm grateful to be able to bring it to my own platform first. I'm sorry, I, I gotta be selfish with it, and then I'll share it with the masses. But with no further ado, I'm introducing to you Rob Milton. In the studio, songwriter here out of the ATL. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How about yourself? We're doing wonderful, enjoying the day, enjoying life. And basically, I just want to, you know, kind of start in the very, very beginning because I know you're a recording artist. I know you are basically an A and I got a group that you put together yeah. and things like that. You're doing some TV stuff, but I got to go to the very, very beginning. When did you decide, like, you know what, I need to do this music thing because there's something here? You know what? Um, like very many of us, and I know they say we don't exist anymore, but I grew up in the church. Um, so I've been singing my whole life, and but I didn't see it as like something special or like unique. <laughs> Shout out to Beyonce. Um, I didn't see it as something unique until I was in college, and I got at my college choir. Shout out to Virginia State University Gospel Chorale. I kept getting solos, and I was like, wait, <laughs> like with these people? And it was honestly other people affirming me and other people recognizing it in me that showed me like this that this was my gift. So I would say it's officially been 10 years. Like, I released my very first project in 2012. Love so today, yeah. you know. Yeah. I project. Yeah, I, yeah, of course. I got to do my homework. I don't want to be someone acting like I don't know. Yeah. And I'm very familiar. So Thank you. You go from a college choir. Shout out to my VOT, Voice of Triumph from Boston University. Because, you know, we were out here doing it. Starting in the church. And then, you know, all right. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to put my own project out. And, of course, when you share yourself with the world, it's like, all right, so who's going to listen? Yeah. All right, so how's it being received? So how was that process for you? Because that's like, especially that first initial push yeah. is like, all right, I'm in the deep end. What am I doing now? See, that's funny because when I started doing it, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was just like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to just do it. And I just started recording and, like, putting down my ideas and my thoughts and I put together a project and I just put it out and just went on about my business. But it was the reaction that kept me going. Like the first, I want to say the first week of me releasing Love Today, which was a free project on Bandcamp, they were playing records from it on the radio in Detroit. And then a few weeks later, I get a notification on Instagram and Music Soul, Soul Child, shout out, shout out to the legend. He had reposted a picture of my EP on his Instagram. Mind you, this is just something I made in college, like, my last semester of college. So I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> like, oh, so, like, I've really done this. <laughs> and so now I have to keep it up. And just ever since then, I've been, I've continued going and I haven't stopped. So, yeah. Uh, but I, it, it's interesting to think about that, like, because now we're so caught up in the space of beating the algorithm and being seen and what's the response to think about it that when I started, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was just having fun creating, letting out the emotions and the feelings and the ideas that I have and sharing them with the world and not realizing how quickly the world would respond. 
and not just domestically. You've went international with this. It's yeah. not just a one-off where some people are like, oh, I did a few small shows. Oh, you you know, I've got some stamps in the passport because yeah. the career has gone so well. Yeah, so I want to say, I guess it was 2019, I got an email from Sweden, and they had a festival out in Stockholm that they wanted me to come out and perform. And so I went and was able to do my own music. And, like, it was so weird because, like, their the appreciation is much heavier there. So even just getting there, like, my face was literally on a, f- like, flyer in the city of Stockholm. Like, not a flyer, but, like, like you know, like, like a poster. street posters. Okay. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, it, but it was, like, everywhere. So I'm like, this is, like, a real thing. But, yeah, unfortunately, then, like, the pandemic happened and... Going overseas has gotten a little shaky, um, but I would love to go back. Like, one of my dreams would be to play London. Um, I get a lot of love out there. So, yeah. All right. So, now I got to go to what's current. You know, Diddy this week was starting a few uh, oh, conversations man. with this R&B dead and things yeah. of that nature. And as an R&B artist, I got to ask, are you buying or selling that? Um, All respect to the people that have come before us that have done the incredible things that they've done. But I'm not buying that. I'm not buying it at all. I don't think R&B is dead. I don't think R&B has ever been dead. I think that the industry that the industry has told us that to dumb down what we were doing in order to get in the door, the industry has also closed a lot of doors to opportunities that were provided to R&B artists, and they give bigger opportunities to people who perform R&B music but are not black. And so the doors have been shut on us, and then y'all are like, oh, well, R&B doesn't exist anymore. No, it exists. It's behind the doors that you've put up so that we couldn't get in. But even with those doors being closed, the internet is in our hand every day, all day. The way that I find new artists is through the people that I follow. It's through my friends. Like, you can go on Apple Music and see what somebody's listening to. You can go look at millions of playlists on Spotify. Like, I have, and that's another thing, that's, like, one of the opportunities that we do have now is playlists. I've gotten so much, I've gotten so much, what do you call it? Um, Just like so much, uh, I've gotten so many more listeners through playlists. Like Spotify, once I I had So almost like an organic discovery. It's not like you're pushing it out, promoting it through ads. Like these people are coming across your music like, oh, I rock with this. And that's the thing is that those are the two options. Put money behind it in a way that you're promoting it in ads, you're paying for $100 ads a week on Instagram and stuff like that, but indie artists don't have that. So then you have the other opportunity to, it's almost like luck at this point. If you luck up and get on a playlist, you really lucked up. But for me, the most important thing has been getting placements on television, getting placements on the radio, getting placements like on playlists. Um, and I've been blessed to have my music played on Insecure on HBO before it ended. And I have a couple other placements coming up. And it's just like, we're really, we're here, um, but we're having to create our own opportunities. Especially when you don't fit the other guidelines that the industry has set as far as color, as far as body type, as far as sexuality. So these are all blockades that the industry set up. That's not allowing us in. So it's not R&B is dead. R&B has never been dead. We were raised on the Mary J. Blige's who were raised on the Anita Bakers, who were raised on the Ella Fitzgeralds. Like, these are, we know the history. We're working and creating the art that stems from that lineage, but we're not being allowed into the door. So open the door. It's simple. 
the answer's in the problem. So I got, <laughs> like, I, trust me, I got it's you. Simple. Speaking of those placements, especially getting into TV, because that's yeah. a real area that some people like, oh, I'm trying to get it here. Yeah. And you just like, whether it be a brand endorsement with songs on the commercial. And the way I look at it is, as an artist, like, imagine, okay, I can put my song in front of millions of people and be at the house as it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, those type of placements yeah. do change the game. So when it came to Issa Rae putting on Insecure, and now you have a, another record that's going to be pushed on Star Series. Yeah. How do we get there? Was it an, another organic placement where someone's just like, hey, this artist, I think, yeah. may work for you. And, you know, they were like, yeah, this will work. So we need to reach out to him. Let's get the license. Let's get everything good. Get yeah. all the paperwork drawn up. How'd that happen? Um, yes, I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about TV placements. Um, as far as the, the um, Issa Rae thing, I like to think that I manifested it because I've been a fan of hers since Awkward Black Girl. She had a show on YouTube um, while I was, I think I had just got out of college. I think that was like 2012 too. Mm-hmm. And so she had to show Awkward Black Girl. I used to watch it in school and then when the second season came out I went to the premiere because she had linked with I Am Other which was Pharrell's conglomerate Mm -hmm. and when we got to the screening we got to literally the door to get into the theater and it was at capacity oh wow so but she comes out and she's like you know I want you guys to stay here I'm so glad that you guys came like I want to talk to you guys whatever so my motto was shoot all shots (laughs) because I realized at some point, I realized if I don't, no one else will. <laughs> like, if I don't create this opportunity for me, this opportunity won't exist. So every opportunity that I have, I take it. So I told her, you know, I'd actually just released Love Today. So I told her about my EP and, like, you know, that I had a record on there that I wanted her to hear. And she was like, oh, that's super cool. Like, you know, email me. But, of course, she didn't, like, give me her email. <laughs> so then I had to, you know, do my due diligence and find it. <laughs> and um, I just kept shooting my shot. Like, I would take clips of my music and put it on top of clips of Insecure in the first couple of seasons. And, like, say, like, hey, y'all tag Issa Rae and tell her this song will be perfect on the show. But at the same time, I had been working with an indie label out of Portland called Fresh Alex. You so you talked about my group, so I'm, I am in two groups as well as being a solo artist. Mm-hmm. One is a group called Cousin, which we actually just co-wrote the new single from Monica and Ty Dolla Sign. Um, but my other group is called um, Sons of the James, and we have a project that we released with Fresh Alex. And so apparently Issa's, long story short, her music supervisor had been reaching out to that label and working with that label on putting unreleased music from the label onto the show. So really it was kind of like, it was honestly God, because I don't think they had any idea that I had a connection with that label um, because that hadn't been announced yet. And I just, I like to think it was manifestation in God, truly, because when they dipped into that folder from that label, the thing they picked out was me. Wow. And so that's where we are. Yeah, it's it's not even just it's definitely God, but I think it's yeah. definitely full circle because it's like at that moment it wasn't time for yeah. you at that moment. You, yeah, if you go inside, you don't get to meet Issa Rae and make that initial connection. Yeah. So full circle moment, absolutely and divinely it's, made. It's also a testament to not giving up, and that's another one of my biggest models is in in this is like never give up. Um, when you know your purpose, when you know something is you something when you know that you are called to something. Um, a lot of times it feels like this ain't working. <laughs> like, especially this music thing, mm-hmm. especially because it's not a, people see the glitz and the glamour, but it's not, that doesn't come right away. <laughs> like a lot of times that takes decades 
for someone to actually reach that. And so I could have given up a very long time ago, even with that. Like, I could have stopped. T- like, why do I, why would you keep posting this if they're not responding? Because I know that this is supposed to happen. So I'm going to keep doing it until it happens. And that's, that's really, that's really what it is. And then going into placements, because, you know, yeah. you your group cousin yeah. now has their first placement with Monica and Ty Dolla Sign, yeah. her latest single. Friends. How does that feel to just like, I know I'm doing something great, but now yeah. I'm working with a Grammy Award winning artist a household name, yeah. an establishment in R&B. Yeah. How does that make you feel? And how was that like when you first got that call? Like, okay, she wants to use a song. Like, all right, what, what do we need to do? We got to draw the paperwork, do everything. Walk me through that. I'm not going to lie. It feels quite legendary, to be very honest. I moved to Atlanta officially five years ago this month. And I moved here just knowing that this is where things were happening and this is where I wanted to be. Like, this, it, it was so black. It's so, even still, like, in all of that's happening in the world, it just, it, fe- it always feels, again, shout out to Beyonce, like a renaissance. Like, it always feels like, is this, <laughs> like, when I go other places now from living in Atlanta, it's like culture shock. Like, oh, everybody's <laughs> not black. <laughs> like, everybody doesn't have green hair and piercings and, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it feels, everybody's not creative. You know what I mean? It just, this felt like a creative home. And so that's what brought me here. But to be able to come to Atlanta and land a placement with Monica, who is like the queen of Atlanta at this point. Um, a Grammy, no arguments there. Let's a be Grammy clear. Award winner. And I mean, even when we talk about R&B, those of us who are doing it now, would not exist without The Boy Is Mine. <laughs> we would not exist without Brandy, Monica, and Dark Child. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to make such huge first in this way feels like, it feels legendary, but it also feels like I belong here. So it's really dope. Yeah. So it's the validation. It's the, this like, all right, this work is don't get done. If yeah. someone's seeing it, it's getting hurt. Yeah. Wonderful feeling. So now... If I can tell you 20 years from now and, you know, you're still doing your thing, what do you want your career to accomplish? Not you personally. What yeah. do you want your career? Like, how do you want to make sure your legacy is left when you're just like, you know what? I'm going to take this last victory lap. Yeah. And what do you want that to feel like? I, I want it to be inspiring. I wanted to inspire someone to not give up. I want to inspire someone who is young and black and possibly of a bigger body type, possibly of a different sexuality than what's normal, I want them to see that it's possible and that all of those things, they don't matter. But who you are as a creative and just as a being and what what it is that you offer to the world and to other people around you is what matters. I The things that have happened have not been because of anything other than my gift. And so I think that that's important, and I think that that is a beautiful legacy to live, to stick to your purpose and not let the things around you, the people around you, not let anything um, take you off the course of that. Yeah. And right now, I'm going to go off course because right now, after two Beyonce mentions during this interview, I need to know your top three songs from the project. Wow. Um, You weren't ready for it, and that's why I asked. So First of all, I'm going to preface this by saying... Outside of my groups, I'm also a solo artist, and I released a project in, I think, February called Showtime. Okay. And it's super cool as a creative to realize how tapped in you are without knowing it. 
Um, because, and I'm not just saying this because it's my project, but if you listen to Showtime, it is very much in the same vein of Renaissance. Um, I've, I played with a lot of 70s and 80s sounds. I have a record called Roller Coaster, which literally feels like Honey off of Renaissance, um, which that would be one of my favorites. Pure Honey for sure. Man, it's hard to choose. It's, it changes every day. It does. Today, I'll say this. I'll say Pure Honey. I'll say Cozy. And I will say heated. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah I will yeah. raise you heated because that's. But incredible. I mean, but but cuff it like, uh, come on. I really feel that the transition from energy mm-hmm. to break my soul into mm-hmm. church, church girl, girl. is. Yeah. A, I don't yeah. know. If there's been a, a three run of songs back to back to back. Yeah. Like that in a very long time because it gave you all the emotion and for the energy that she brought forth on the project, I'm like, wow. First off, the Beyonce camp is A1 with the secrecy because even though yeah. it did drop and whatnot, didn't know or hear nothing about it until it actually released. So yeah. when it was released overseas, was available like two days early. I don't know who they paid or who like made sure, <laughs> hey, don't let this fall on the internet nowhere. But I feel that what she's done for... Not just music, but for the culture. I hate using the word, but it's exactly yeah. what it is. Like what she did with this project, and apparently this trilogy we finna get. Yeah. Um, Can you believe that? I really do. I actually, uh, I really do. That's scary. I really <laughs> like, do. What are we gonna do? Like, that's scary. It's. <laughs> I can't stop listening to the first one. So it's, like, it's gonna be crazy. Go? Like she put something in this. It's yeah. album. It's different because all the other albums were great, and it's just you continue to see her level up every single project there's not a like oh this sound like the last one it's literally a new sound a new avenue every time she comes out and this is again why i also cannot accept r&b is dead because even even at this point on the mainstream side we've had jasmine sullivan hotels (laughs) we've had beyonce renaissance like you can't say r&b is dead in a world where either of those projects exist let's just start there but Especially on a station that plays R&B music yeah. all the time. So when Mary J. Blige says there are radio stations that do right, play, yes, we play it here on yeah. Magic 107.5, 97.5. But I do understand there are some gatekeeping. There's mm-hmm. powers that be that you know make sure the big monster records go a little early and make sure they give them the push they need. But trust, there are artists like you know an Ari Lennox. There are artists like Brent Fias who who put an incredible R&B project out, which I think went underappreciated on major urban radio. So it's. I mean, yeah. I know so many artists from Brick Liam to yes to even like Kenyon Dixon to Warren Dumas, myself to Ron Shirley. Like, there's so many of us out here who are making incredible music, and maybe you don't see it on TV because they don't play videos on MTV. They play ridiculousness. Maybe you don't see it on BET because they play Sisters, and like, there's nothing wrong with that, but. It exists. It's just not being catapulted in the way that it was in the 90s. And that's just a part of progression, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And if you can't find it, ask for help. (laughs) Like, I'm sure there's somebody around you you could ask, what you listening to? And they'll tell you, I'm listening to Alex Isley. You want to go listen to that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Make sure. And you want to go listen to Rob Milton. Yes. Showtime. I actually put out a remix, Showtime Part 2, with myself and another incredible artist, A Natural. All of Showtime, as well as that single, co-produced by myself and Dana Johnson. He's an incredible musician and producer who you may know from work with his wife, Avery Sunshine. 
and they are like family to me. So it's been an incredible opportunity working with them as well. But yes, yeah, Showtime and Showtime Part 2 is out right now everywhere. All right, so before we wrap this interview, I definitely want to make sure that you follow Rob Milton yeah. all platforms because he's everywhere um, from Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, YouTube. Yeah. Everything is out there for you to consume. Make sure you check it out. But he also has, does a podcast. I want to make sure we touch yeah. on that as well because podcast to podcast, yeah. I know it's an important avenue that gets people to really be honest, really be comfortable. And I definitely want to make sure I highlight that for you real quick. So that's another part of my career that I... So I studied communications in college. Shout out to MassCom, shout out to T-Com majors, all of them. Yes, we out here. What I've always done is I've been able to use my creativity as far as writing and, and creating and mix it with my knowledge of... PR and radio and TV and all of the, all of those things and just kind of get out the thoughts and ideas that I have that don't fit into a song or I'm at the end of the day I'm a fan of music in general outside of creating it I'm a fan of music and so I love having conversations about music and talking to on my podcast which was called Glow Up Rob and we had our first season last year we're working on getting things together for the second one um, but on my podcast I had on the very last episode, I had Coco of SWV, um, and we were able to talk about so many different music moments that I appreciated as a child, but, like, nobody asks about in her interviews. You know what I mean? They ask about whatever project you're currently working on or even, like, they ask about the the main single songs, and I'm, like, ahead, so I'm, like, asking about albums that, you know, people may have not really listened to or asking about performances. Like, for instance, <laughs> she performed um, some years ago on BET Gospel with Fantasia, and there's, like, a gif of her holding Fantasia while she's crying that people use frequently. All the time, yes. And I'm like, has anyone ever <laughs> asked them about <laughs> this? Like, And so I get to, like, do goofy stuff like that, like, ask about that. Um, and it's just really cool just being able to get those things out and and another thing outside of believing that R&B is dead people believe that our generation doesn't know the history and like things like that and so being able to be kind of at the forefront of okay if you don't know here's here's opportunities to listen and to understand why this person why their sound is this way because they're influenced by this person or you know what I mean different things like that so that's also just like another part of me and just a beautiful experience to be able to be able to share like the we complain not we but people complain about like even with podcasts and they're like everybody has a podcast and everybody's doing music but it's honestly a beautiful thing to have the space to be able to say this is a thing that I'm good at this is a thing that I want to do and I can now present it to the world easily just pressing a button I it's for me it's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful experience and I'm super grateful to be able to do that and especially for those that are creatives and just have something like, I want to do something, don't know how, but yeah. I feel like podcasting has been a, especially in the middle of the pandemic, like a, a release for so many people yeah. that's helped people through um, uncharted territory that yeah. we didn't necessarily even fathom. But yeah. here we are still thriving, still making things happen. Make sure you stream it, download it, support yeah. local music, support independent music, support everybody black. I'm going to say it right now. And I appreciate you taking your time to chop it up with me. This has been great, insightful. We we will definitely be chopping it up again soon. For sure. And I appreciate you blessing the platform, dropping off all the jewels, and definitely make sure you support this black man's career. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend about the What Do I Do Now podcast. 
If you've missed any previous episode, make sure you listen because I guarantee you I've got some great interviews with great people. Make sure you follow the podcast Instagram page, WDIDN Podcast, or just visit my website, SamuelSermons.com, to submit an interview request. I'll see you back here next Monday for another episode of What Do I Do Now?